welcome everyone to sunny South Wake County. <clears throat> well, I have to make a confession here. This was a um, message that is a kind of an extension to the call call to worship that Bill gave earlier. Um, I don't know about on your end, but it was pretty embarrassing at this location, the, the worship quality as far as the sound goes. I, I told Bill, this is this this message to to call us into worship uh, is challenging on Zoom because uh, I like for other people to kind of hide my voice and let it blend in with everyone else's. Um, and so I think that's one of the wisdoms of Hebrews saying, um, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is because when it comes to worship, it does sound much, much better, but we all get another chance here in a little bit. Uh, Bill's going to have some more worship later. <clears throat> Today's message, um, really, I want to try to uh, just take a few minutes here and uh, sew a thread through the Christmas season we just went through, through Greg's message and Randy's message. So um, I just ask for a little bit of latitude as um, we, we walk through this. Uh, <clears throat> You know, we, we have just come through a whole time of focusing on the Godhead uh, for the last month, uh, it seems like. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, I think through the Advent season and through Greg's message out of Isaiah 40, um, just seeing the absolute worthiness of the only true God to hold him high above all. And, and also just have been reminded of the fact that we are sojourners here uh, in the earth. Uh, just like Bill was saying this morning, you know, there is a whole nother realm that's unseen, but that's where our citizenship is. And uh, I, I believe that Randy has reminded us of that yet again um, through his message. And so I want to um, kind of walk back through uh, some of this through a little bit different lens as we kind of look into uh, the year 2022 and, and maybe what will be one of our focuses for that this particular year. And that lens is music. Um, Carl, I'm sorry, it's not the Messiah this year. It's, uh, it's something different. But um, I want to kind of look at some, some things in the scripture. You know, I, I, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking to myself, I haven't met anyone that just hates music. Everybody likes some kind of music, it seems like. And uh, even if you're not really musical, you still enjoy music. Um, I, you know, I just kind of posed that question to myself. Do I know more words to speeches or scripture than I do to songs? And, you know, uh, sadly, it comes that most of the scripture, a lot of the scripture I know, it's because of songs. Uh, uh, the same thing with, with other things that we learn. You know, a lot of people learn the books of the Bible through a song. So, it, you know, the, one of the easiest ways to kind of remember scripture uh, is, first of all, to start when you're really young. Uh, it seems like if you can really begin to put that in your hearts when you're young, uh, it kind of stays with you. But I'm not young anymore. Um, so songs is one of those ways that helps me remember particular scriptures. And God's given us a whole book of songs. 
the book of Psalms. And, you know, we, we read those where we meditate on them, we speak them, um, and we sing them. Um, I, you know, I've often wondered why, why, why didn't God just also give us the melodies to those songs? Um, you know, while, while he's preserving the words, he could have preserved the melodies. And, you know, it, it came, it kind of came to me that, um, you know, maybe that was the great wisdom of God in that um, different people like different types of music. And so he's given us words that all the different cultures can adapt their music and their melodies to, um, because that their music is what moves them. You know, it's the it's what music does. It, it helps moves us. You know, I've read somewhere where it says that um, that music is like the key that opens the heart for the truth of the words to enter. And, and I think that happens for a lot of us uh, in that way. So we have the Psalms. We have, you know, 150 of them there. But there are other songs that are sprinkled throughout the scriptures. Those that are outside of the Psalms are actually called canticles. Um, one of the definitions that tells the difference between these two things is that the difference between a psalm and a canticle is that a psalm is a sacred song. It's a composition for use in praise or worship of God, while a canticle is a chant, hymn, or song, especially a non-metrical one with words from a biblical text. Um, so that's the difference between the two, uh, for those of you that are music people and understand what all that means, uh, for me, uh, it, it just shows me that there are things that happen in other parts of the story of God's, uh, message that are worth singing about. Um, it seems like that, um, when God's work is power, when he gives a powerful message of salvation and it's being received by people, people break forth in songs. Um, there are songs throughout the Bible, the song of Hannah, uh, the song of Habakkuk, the song of Moses. Um, and the ones that we are most familiar with are, are the, the songs of the Christmas time. It's called the incartation. Uh, canicles. And I'm, I want to just kind of walk through those things because it's a whole new way of, of looking at um, the Christmas story. Not that uh, I'm going to be singing in a, any of them, but just to kind of bring you uh, awareness for next year uh, when you see these. But these are songs that um, people have set to music because of revelation that's been given to people. And there's so many that happen right there in Luke, the first and second chapters. I just want to kind of walk through those with you just so you'll be mindful of them next year uh, and realize that sometimes you're singing those songs, even though the words might not be exactly like they are uh, written in the Bible. But, you know, Christmas is that time for us to join those people that spoke those words, Elizabeth and Mary and Zechariah, the shepherds and the angels, and Simeon and Anna, and they, re, they were responding to God's divine invitation to participate in his great story of redemption. That was their responses, and we have opportunities to, to make those same responses. Over and over in the, in the Psalms, it says, sing to the Lord a new song, and that new song 
sometimes is you're in my responses to our invitation to, to join in that as well. But one of the ones that's not listed properly as a canticle is um, Elizabeth's song. This is out of Luke. If you want to turn, you can maybe leaf through these as I'm talking about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but the first and second chapters of Luke in Luke 1 42, Mary comes to Elizabeth and uh, Elizabeth's the baby in her womb leaps and she greets Mary and says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Um, that she's a highly favored woman. And how, how could she, the mother of her Lord, come to her? This song is one that we all know. It's, it's not truly a canticle because it kind of departs theologically from the last part of the, in the, the last parts of the words in it. But the first parts of, the, of this particular song go, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. You all know this song. It's called Ave Maria. The second part of that song uh, is not a part that really, really departs from theology a lot, but we, we know this song, and that's where it comes from, is, is Elizabeth's response to Mary. So um, the, these songs are significant in that they, they record in music these special times where God meets someone and, and gives a little revelation of their part in his big story. You know, Mary's response to this was almost immediate. You know, she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Do you realize that we sing this song as well? <laughs> my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked on my low estate and crowned me with glory and honor. This is what's called the Magnificat. It's out of Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. Um, we can sing this same song and magnify the Lord in our life. Um, the ones, the, a lot of these things are recorded now, uh, have come after the Reformation. This particular song was written by J.S. Bach in 1723 or thereabouts. And it's, you know, it's her response that she would be bearing the Messiah she actually weaves the song of Hannah out of 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, as well as Psalm 100 into this bold proclamation that God has exalted the humble. I mean, if you, if you read down through this particular scripture, she talks about the hungry being filled and the lowly being lifted up and the rich being sent away empty and the mighty brought down. She talks about this reversal of fortunes that, that God who stoops down in, into this earth and raises up people, uh, those particular that he has mercy on. So, you know, we just conti continue through this Christmas story. Um, uh, there comes a time uh, in Luke 1, 68 through 79, where Zechariah um, speaks as well after nine or 10 or 11 months of silence, he speaks being old and his wife is old, just like Abraham and Mary, I mean, Abraham and Sarah, um, 
you know, they have this son in their old age. Uh, and I can imagine what it must have be been like to be a, a, a husband and a wife who longed for a, a child all their life and finally they get one and you're, you're struck dumb to be able to speak about it. And finally, you get your voice and you say his name is John, but what do you talk about? You don't, you don't start talking about your son. I mean, he starts out this way. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of the enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. After all of this, he then gives a little prophetic utterance about his son and, and, and Christ. But what comes out of his mouth after being blessed with something he's longed for all his days is a magnifying God himself. And we can do the same thing. Things God has promised us. We can trust in that promise. This particular song uh, is called the Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel, sometimes just called the Benedictus. Um, th this is um, a song that comes out of Psalms 18 and 92 and 132 and Isaiah 60 and Malachi. Zechariah, who had all this time to meditate on the scriptures of the day, which was the Old Testament, puts this in perspective for his people. Uh, we go on, you know, God stoops down and reveals to the shepherds through the angels, the song that we all know very well, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 13 and 14. Um, this was also put to music by Bach in 1745. It's about a 15-minute piece. All these things can be found like on YouTube of, of these times where God interacts and injects himself and his truth into um, humankind uh, have been set to music. Gloria in Excelsis Deo, we sing this particular song. And lastly, uh, the song of Simeon, Simeon's song in Luke 2, 28 through 32. Uh, the, this is probably, um, the short version is, now master, you can let your servant go or depart in peace, just as you promised. God promised him that he would see God's salvation before he died. And he waited all that time and then God showed him the baby Christ, Jesus. And then after that, Simeon was ready to leave, to go and be with the Lord himself. He says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. 
which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light or revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So again, this song has been put to music. It's called the Nunc Demetus. And if you look it up uh, on YouTube, there are, there are every, uh, every tenor that aspires to be great has tried to sing this song. Um, and they're, they're all out there. Th these songs are meaningful and, and uh, they're rich and they record yet again another promise fulfilled by God. Um, so these are called the incartation canticles. They're songs that have been set to music that kind of record for us the Christmas story. Um, you know, we move on. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And he grew up. He spoke of the kingdom of heaven. He spoke of his sacrificial death. He spoke of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He spoke of his resurrection and his promised return. And we remember these stories through, through Christmas and the resurrection every year. And yet we know that it points to a, 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 another realm, another dimension that God's called us to be citizens in. And so I kind of want to finally get to that particular part uh, of today's message, which is two, two other canticles. One's called the Song of Moses and one's called the Song of the Lamb. And as Bill has said already today, there are many songs about the Lamb uh, in, in Revelation. And then there's the song of the lamb in Exodus, I mean, in Revelation 15. And so I'm going to just read a part of Exodus 15 and then a part of Revelation 15. It's easy to see how these two can be connected just because it's easy to remember that one's in the 15th chapter of Exodus and one's in the 15th chapter of Revelation. But both these songs speak of God's victory over the false gods of this world and the deliverance of a people he has chosen to set free from that tyranny. And so first I'm gonna read selective verses from Exodus 15, it's one through seven verses 16 and 18, just because those tend to highlight and are kind of like the shadow of what the Revelation 15 Song of the Lamb is. And so, Bear with me as I just read these nine verses out of Exodus 15, just for our, to remember. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And the greatness of your excellence, verse 7, you overthrow those who rise up against you. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. And then lastly, verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. I'm sure you recognize the songs we sing out of that. It's just a lot of times we don't realize that we're singing scripture. 
sometimes Bill points out where the where these songs come from, but I think it's just an encouragement to us that when we worship, we are proclaiming back to God the words he's given us. I don't know about you, but um, uh, it's kind of meaningful when somebody reminds you of something you said or quotes something that you have said. It's like, wow, somebody was actually listening to me. <laughs> somebody actually thought about what I said after it was said and, and, and I was gone. And, you know, I, I can't think that God's not the same way, that he's not blessed. When we, when we give back to him the very words that he's given to us, um, and so, you know, these songs, when we have the opportunity to sing to him, is like, I remember, I heard what you said. I remember what, I meditated on this, God. I'm singing it back to you. I believe it. And all, all these things to me just make me want to, to be better and better about my sincerity of worship, um, Let's, let me just move on into this next song, and, uh, and then we're going to have an opportunity to try this again, uh, even though we're not going to be uh, one voice so much uh, this morning. There's a scene from heaven. It's kind of the caption before Revelation 15, and, and, this, is, and this is what it describes. It says, then I, John, saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous a sign that in heaven that's great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them, the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who were victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God, and they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, this is what they said, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God, all, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After these things, I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened, and the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, brought clean and bright, and their chest wrapped with golden sashes. You know, the... There's, there's lots of commentary out there about this. Were there two songs sung or were there's a one song sung? It says the song of Moses and the song of the lamb. And most people come down on the fact that there was only one song sung. It was the song of the lamb. And within that song is all the shadows of the song of Moses. Um, you know, this particular song talks about God's works, great and marvelous are your works. It talks about God's ways, righteous and true are your ways. It talks about God's worthiness, who will not fear you and glorify your name. 
It talks about God's worship. All the nations will come and worship before you. And so this particular song is really the fulfillment and fruition and fruit of the song of Moses, which was a shadow of this song here. And so, you know, it's interesting if you look at the two, the scope of the songs are the same, the defeat of the hostile pursuing persecuting powers. That's what happens in both cases. Uh, the attributes of God are talked about in the same way. And then the singers in both cases are the same, those who experience deliverance. You know, if you look at who was singing this song, the song of the lamb, it says that there were 144,000 that were standing on this sea of glass <clears throat> with harps. Now, it's interesting if you think about this 144,000, um, these were the ones that were chosen to stand for the Lord and with the Lord. The, earlier in the, the Revelation, it says their soul, they didn't love their souls, not even to death, in staying set steadfast in their faith and loyalty. They sang a song that no one else could sing. In chapter 14, it says they sang a new song. They responded to the call to follow me and follow the lamb wherever he went. All this you can read in the previous chapter in chapter 14. They overcame, the, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. They were raised to govern with Christ. It goes on and says that an angel proclaimed the eternal gospel. I didn't really realize until this week there was an eternal gospel. This is a gospel that's that's outside of time. This is the gospel that remains. <clears throat> Fear God and give him glory. That's what it says. Revelation 14, 6 through 7, it says is the eternal gospel. Fear God and give him glory. That's going to be the good news when we are in that realm that Bill spoke about earlier. There came a command for the two for two angels to put their sickles in. A sickle, if you don't know what a sickle is, it's a manual tool used for harvesting or cutting. Um, one harvest was to harvest God's people, and another harvest was to harvest for the wrath of God, which was going to experience these, these plagues that came from the bowls of the angels. Uh, so these 144,000 who had their hearts and who sang this song of the Lamb, they were the first fruits who came, overcame, and did so by the, the blood of the lamb and their testimony. They remained steadfast and they held their allegiance to the one true God and his Christ. This is the, probably one of the main things that John is trying to get uh, and encourage the, the people in the whole book of Revelation is look, uh, first of it's all, it's for the seven churches, but it's for all the saints of, of all time is remain true. There's going to be times of persecution. There's going to be times of difficulty, but you are to overcome. You are to stay steadfast. You stay steadfast in our walk. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there was no more need for sacrifice once Jesus offered himself the perfect and spotless lamb to cover the sins for all those of us who would honor him as Lord and believe on his name. And yet there is 
one sacrifice that's still appropriate. It's, it's a living sacrifice, which the Bible says is our reasonable or spiritual service of worship. The Old Testament calls it a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, through him then let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. Now, when I think about sacrifices, it seems like almost in every case in the Old Testament, it was to be without blemish. The best we had to offer. And so should not our praise and worship reflect that same? In other words, come from a pure heart, offered freely, offered without any shadow of alternative motive. You think about what these 144,000 went through, what they accomplished. Um, and then you look at this particular song that they sang. It was only a Godward gaze and acknowledgement of who he was. Look, look at the words again. There's no pronouns like I or we or us in it. Only you and your. They had a lot to celebrate. They were going to rule and reign and govern with, with God for a season. And yet, in his presence, they were overshadowed completely by him. His presence, his worth, his works, his ways, his glory. You know, um, I think it's something true worship must be to be lost in him not even hardly aware of ourselves. It's hard to get there, especially hard to get there on Zoom. Uh, when I hear myself sing, uh, it's hard not to think, oh, this is so pitiful. And yet, you know, I have to keep reminding myself, Preston, God's looking at your heart. God's looking at your heart. Sing with a pure heart, sing with a heart that's given over and open to him. And so that's the call for us, I think, as we move into 2022. Um, I love, I, it's fun to try to harmonize with people. It's, it's, it's fun to, to do these things, but to get lost in the presence of God himself. Um, I think that's kind of where our, our goal and our focus is for 2022. And you know, unfortunately, as we gather again to, for another call to worship here, uh, we're going to have to hold on to that thought to when we gather yet together again as, a, as a, a body of Christ. But it is a time for us to certainly keep our eyes um, fixed on the king. Uh, I, I don't know any other way to say this, but it's something that it takes practice, you know, to look up and see him for who he is. And yet, how, how can you worship in, at that level unless you know him? And so it, it behooves us more and more to meditate, sit in his presence, allow him through his scriptures and his word to us individually to reveal more and more who he is, more and more how marvelous and almighty he is. And as we can begin to more and more embrace and hold that, 
I think our worship and worship will become purer and purer and more and more sincere. Uh, and that's what I would love to see for us as a body. Uh, I remember one time uh, talking about that we don't come as many trumpets, but one trumpet singing together the, the praises of God. And so yet again, we get to, to sing those songs as Bill is, has selected for us. But Let's live for the day when we can come back together and worship God uh, in unity uh, and make this part of our newfound focus for 2022. Out of that, I believe there will come uh, a, new, a new passion for what we're called to do here and yet at the same time, uh, an ongoing perspective of where we're headed, our destiny. And so I want to leave that with you and, and just go into another time of worship that Bill could lead us in. So, Father, we just come to you. And Lord, in, in this time of being separated and hearing maybe our only voice, Lord, let us at least get our hearts in a place where they are clean and where we can sing, Father, with a new and a reckless abandon to you a practice session, if you will, for when we come together. So Lord, we do uh, magnify you in the way that we can here individually, but Lord, we pray that you take it and you, you, Lord, you just build your throne upon it for that it would be pure enough that you could come and sit in our midst in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Chris, let me, let me share something in addition to what you've mentioned here already. <clears throat> um, you pointed out that all of these major events uh, have been, been accompanied by a song. Um, Elizabeth and Mary, two women, and then Zachariah and Simeon, two men, and then the shepherds. Well, the angels are the one who sang to them. You know, so the angels were involved. And then all of these other situations, um, Israel had, had reason for great rejoicing. Now, Israel, among all the nations of the world, what nations had reasons to, to rejoice as much as Israel did? Everybody else's rejoicing was simply in uh, something man-made or they the crops came in or something like that but israel could rejoice in a messiah a deliverer and that happened way before jesus came i mean we read about david and his songs and moses and his song you mentioned that already and and so forth throughout the history of israel they recorded songs that were they were momentous occasions right so then we read this one in in Psalm 137, a lament. It's not really a song. It says, beside the rivers of Babylon, this was after it, Israelites had been deported to Babylon and the whole Judah and Israel had been demolished. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. For our captors demanded a song from us. 
our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem, they'd said. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. If I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. You know, that's kind of the other side of this story, right? He's calling upon himself hardships if he doesn't make the Lord God and his habitation his greatest joy. And he can't stand the fact that his enemies are gloating over him and being sarcastic about him singing a song of happiness, one of the songs of Zion. So you've got that on the one side and the other side, you've got these momentous occasions where God just inspires beautiful, powerful songs because who he is and what he's done. And so now when we go to Revelation 7 and 15, we're singing the songs of Jerusalem, the songs of joy, the songs of Zion, but not in a pagan land anymore because you've been bought and redeemed and set free, and now you belong to Jesus himself. So you can sing with full confidence and full assurance that these words are just and true, that these, these, this is what's going to happen. And I, I just, I love the thought of it, that um, we, we might sing in concert with God's will for us and his good pleasure in the work in our lives to save us, to forgive us, to redeem us, to restore us, to impute upon us righteousness and holiness and grace. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And not only us, but people from every land on the planet. Yeah. 
everybody uh, turn on your video. Every one of you is represented in the great throne room of God, of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing video. Can't, can't imagine how they got all of that together, but quite amazing. Yeah, when I, whenever I stop and think about the amazing nature of 500 videos from 257 different people groups from around the world, synchronizing them all in the same key, <laughs> and then putting all that together and deciding how to write the words and the country and the flag and putting in little boxes and you, you, you think about that. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, that was all man-made. <laughs> God is the one who tore down every barrier between every one of those people so that the language and culture did not matter anymore. What mattered was belonging to Jesus Christ. And so when we're, when we're in the heaven's throne room and we're there with people from, from every place, and we're all at one voice with one faith, worshiping Jesus Christ, that the angels are gonna be just astounded and the enemies of God who always said it's not possible to restore mankind into a place of harmony are going to be just totally defeated. And the glory to Christ is going to just erupt. Um, so I hope you all just take what Preston said to heart. You know, these, these are not just songs to rehearse. They're just, they're, they are future songs that God has give, gone ahead and given us now that we might rejoice and all that he's done, you know. It's part of the equipment, equipping us. It's part of his strength for us to walk this life today. And uh, little videos like this that come together that show us people that look like each one of you singing songs of praise to, to God. Amen. And how many different ways can you say it? Amen, amina. Uh, a lot of different ways you can say amen. Anyway, Bill, I can think one of the one of the most encouraging things that I I do um, when I like to get on YouTube and just um, paddle around is find groups other other people singing in their language songs of praise to God. Yeah. Messianic Jews, Koreans, Chinese. It just it's just so reassuring. Like, yeah, they're out there. They're praising the same God that yeah. I love and praise. And yeah. I don't know. It's just some. Even though a lot of times you don't understand the words, sometimes you can find these sites where they're putting the English words underneath, which makes it even more meaningful. Yeah. But what a blessing they are. You know. You know. Um, it, it was very Westernized music, right? <laughs> 12 tone octaves scales. And then all of a sudden, halfway through, you start hearing this powerful rhythm coming on and you think, are we getting a, a feedback from something else? What's going on here? And suddenly then you realize, no, that's just another one of the ethnicities that God created and their, their music. And then you realize, well, why don't we have a section of 13 tone scales like they sing in, in some uh, 
Eastern European countries or a lot of the other different ways there are to making music, but that's going to be reserved for heaven. It's going to, it's going to blow our fuses. Just saying it's going to be so great. Um, It'll be a new song. It will be a new song. We'd be jamming. We'd be jamming for big time. 